Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. What you see is what you get. I got to look at what they did. Nice. Polaroid. All right. What you see is what you get. And you know this, that Jesus is God's selfie. You know that? You know, everybody's taking selfies. Dana on her way to church this morning, you know, she's got, she, she did her hair different. So she's like, ah, an Easter selfie, you know? Well, you know, Jesus, yeah, <laughs> sometimes I get in them too, you know, it just happened to, you know, it happens. But you know, Jesus is God's selfie because everything, you want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. He demonstrated what God is like. The, the truth is, is that God wants you to be a, one of his selfies too. He wants to demonstrate through you all that he is. Wow, can you handle that this morning? Over in 1 Corinthians, I'll just use this one to start in verse 15. In verse 3, Paul said this, I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Are you thankful that he did die for our, our sins according to the scriptures? And that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. We're thankful for that. Glory to God. It says, and that he was seen by Peter, then by the twelve, and after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. Doesn't mean they fell asleep in church or anything. That means they died, okay? And, and after that, he was seen by James and then by all of the apostles. And then last of all, Paul said this. He said, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. So Paul says, wow, this is stuff I'm rooted in. I'm grounded in. Jesus Christ came. He died for my sins. But the great news is this, that he rose from the dead. What we're going to do this morning is just look at some different perspectives, some different viewpoints of people that looked at the cross. Can, we, can you go there with me this morning? Yeah. All right. Come on, Kelly. Yeah. No. We're going we're gonna to look, first of all, at the, the centurion who was there when Jesus died on the cross. Have you ever thought about this centurion? You know, this guy wasn't a gospel preacher. You know, he was a Roman centurion. I was looking up about centurions this week, and this is what it said in one place. It said, centurions were hardened, experienced soldiers. Get this now. They were skilled at killing. What a resume. These were tough guys. You know, these guys, when they drank their coffee, they ate the grounds, you know? They, they, you don't mess with these people, okay? Skilled at killing people. How'd you like to have them come to Easter dinner? You know, you're introducing them to the relatives. You say, oh, by the way, skilled at killing. Well, anyway, these, this is who they were. It, says this, it said this about them. It said that most of these guys were promoted through the ranks, and it would take 15 to 20 years of service like this before they achieved the rank of a centurion. So, I mean, these were some hard years. Now, the Bible actually records something said by the centurion that crucified Jesus. In Matthew 27, 54... It says this, it's so that when the centurion and those with him, 
Who were the ones with him? Some other guys that were skilled at killing. And it says, they were guarding Jesus and they saw the earthquake and the things that happened and they feared greatly and they said this. They said, truly, this was the Son of God. Now, we know a few things that happened, but whatever it was, was so real so dramatic that it brought them out of their ordinary realm because this stuff was ordinary for a centurion. To kill people, to crucify people. Jesus was not the first one crucified, although it was brutal what they did to him. But something had to have been going on beyond the norm because these guys, they looked at Jesus and they said, these tough guys, they said, truly, this was the Son of God. That's one perspective of the cross. Now, Isaiah is another one I want to look at this morning. Isaiah, if you don't know this, Isaiah was a prophet, okay? What's a prophet? Well, in the Old Testament, you know, the role of a prophet was that they heard from heaven. Not everybody, you know, before Jesus came and before he you accomplished what we're celebrating today. The spirit of the living God only came upon a few people. It came upon the king and the prophet and the priest. And the prophet's job was to hear from God and convey God's messages to the people. And Isaiah, he was a top dog. Can I say that? He was a top dog. No disrespect to Isaiah. But, you know, in the Bible, there's minor prophets and there's major prophets Isaiah was a major prophet. Among major prophets, Isaiah was a heavy. He was a big one. He saw some things. You know, in Hebrews, it talks about some people that died in faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says there are some people that died in faith, never seen the, or the realization the, you know, in the natural realm of what they saw and believed, yet they died in faith. Isaiah was one of these guys. Because as his job as a prophet, you know, it was a calling, it was a gift that he, he walked in. He saw some things, some glimpses of the future that in his life he never saw realized. One of the things that he saw was this whole thing that we're celebrating from Friday until today, and, and that was Jesus on the cross. It says in Isaiah 52, this is one of the things Isaiah saw. He says, many were astonished at thee, at Jesus. It says, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of man. So how would you like that? You know, you're being a nice guy. I think Isaiah was a nice guy. You're sitting down one morning and, and again, you know, he's drinking his coffee, cappuccino, you know. And, and, and all of a sudden, God speaks to him and he shows him something. He, he imparts this vision to Isaiah and he says, this is what's ahead. This is redemption. And, you know, you know we like to think of nice little things, you know. You know, nice, clean things, you know. And, and, and what Isaiah sees is just devastating. He sees this man on a cross, and it says the, the, the appearance of him was so disfigured, one translation says he didn't even look human. Wow. That's 
heavy stuff. Although I got to tell you something. There was more going on with Jesus than any Roman soldier, guard, anybody ever did to him. Jesus wasn't just being crucified. Jesus was not being a martyr. Jesus went to the cross as our substitute. All right? Talk a little more about that in a minute. But then again in chapter 53 of Isaiah, in verse 3, it says this. These are things Isaiah saw about the cross. He said, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. You know, wouldn't you think if God came to earth and showed himself that he'd be a hero? I mean, you know, he'd be the president of the class, you know, or, you know, he'd walk the red carpet or something like that. No, he was rejected by men. It says, surely, in verse 4, he bore our griefs and he carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes were healed. I think, man, Isaiah saw this stuff, and he said, wow, redemption is coming to the human family. Redemption is coming. It is so far-reaching that it's going to bring peace to people's hearts. It's going to bring healing to their bodies, all because of what Jesus did. Wow, can you grasp that today? I mean, Isaiah was seeing this stuff before it happened. I'm looking back at it way 2,000 years after the fact, and I'm saying, Lord, I want to grasp this with my heart. I want to catch hold of this stuff. Now, Another one, here. here's one we want to look at. What did God see in the death, burial, and resurrection? Don't you think, you think it would be a good thing to look at what God saw? We'd say, well, hey, God, what did you see when Jesus was on the cross? Well, here's a verse that's so tremendous because it pulls back the veil of the natural. It pulls back the veil of what we see with our natural eyes and we catch a glimpse of what went on behind the scenes. All right, have you been to a play? I went to a play this last year and, and there were all kinds of things, you know, there'd be intermissions and there'd be, there'd be breaks in the set and everything would go dark and, you know, curtains would close and man, I'm telling you what, there was busy stuff going on behind the scene. And then they open it up, and we go, wow, I'm catching it. I'm seeing a glimpse of what goes on now because all of the activity that went on behind the scenes. Well, God saw this when Jesus was on the cross in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says this, for, for he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we... Who's that? You and I might be made the righteousness of God in him. Wow, is that amazing? That's what God saw. God looked down at the cross and he didn't just see Jesus and a thief on either side. He saw the son of God who had no sin of his own and that God took our sin and poured it into Jesus. That in exchange, all the goodness, all the life, all the righteousness that Jesus 
you know, was an embodiment of all that he had that we would become that. Wow, can you grab that this morning? Say this, say, I've been made. The righteousness of God in Christ. You know, it's an amazing thing is that righteousness, people hear that word. I remember hearing that word when I was a new, uh, new Christian, and I thought, what, righteous man, I, I must have to work really hard to be that. You know what? People don't work hard to become righteous. They get made righteous because of the hard work Jesus did. All right? Let me read you a couple versions of this. The Living Bible said it like this. I like different translations, okay? You know, some people are, are, are you know, like one version more than another. And, and, and you know, I, I, I dig reading different translations. You know my favorite translation? It, 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 you know, someone wants to know. It's reading it in the Holy Ghost. That's my favorite translation. Is because when he shows you things, I'm telling you, they go into your heart and they change you from the inside out. But, but I like different translations because you'll read things in a different way and they'll speak to you. They'll, they'll reveal things to you and, and, and you'll go, wow, man, I never saw that before. That's, that's tremendous. Well, the Living Bible says this, this like this. It says, God took the sinless Christ and he poured into him our sins. Then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. I mean, that is a picture in my mind, God behind the scenes took the sin of the world, poured it into Christ, and then in exchange he poured God's goodness into us. I mean, I don't know if any, you know, the Roman soldiers, they were looking at it going, wow, this is the Son of God. But they didn't see what God was seeing here. They didn't see that Jesus was becoming the sin of the world. Isaiah said, wow, his visage, his, his appearance is, is changed more than any man. He's, he doesn't even look human. But I'm telling you what, God was seeing why he looked the way he did. Because, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how I'd look if I had the sin of, I look bad enough, you know, just waking up in the morning. But, but Jesus is on the cross and the sin of the universe is being laid on him. It's like, wow, epic. Then the Blackwell version said it like this. It said, out of behalf our, on our behalf, God identified him with everything in the whole realm of sin in order that by trusting in him, we might become recipients of the God kind of righteousness. Wow, I like that. Everything in the entire realm of sin, Jesus was made that. So you want to know what God saw when Jesus was on the cross? He saw him taking on the nature, the condition of mankind becoming that, that in exchange we could be made into the very, uh, have the very life of God in us. Now the Apostle Paul, I want to read something that he saw concerning the cross. You guys know the Apostle Paul? He wrote most of the New Testament. You know, he was a wild man. He was not a Christian, you know, when, when Jesus was on the earth. And even in the early days of the church, the Apostle Paul was, was somewhat of a tyrant. He was somewhat of a terrorist in Christian camps. In fact, he took pride in hunting down Christians. Why? Because they were Christians, and he, he, he was a religious guy, and he, he thought, man, I'm captured. He was the first one, and the first martyr of the church was Stephen, and the Apostle Paul, he wasn't called that then. He was called Saul of Tarsus. He was there instigating the mob, holding the coats of the guys, throwing the rocks, and then he'd go around looking for Christians, hunting them down, 
and bringing them into jail and sometimes killing them. What a guy. But this very guy was transformed radically through what Jesus did on the cross in the death, burial, and resurrection. In Galatians 2.20, the Apostle Paul said it like this. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All right, this is what Paul said. Now you could look at that and say, Paul, how can you say such a thing? When Jesus is on that cross, you were nowhere around. And here you say it, you were crucified with him. You know, John, the apostle John, he was there when they crucified Jesus. You know, he might have said, no, Paul, there was Jesus and a thief on either side. You were not there. But Paul said, he said, I was crucified with Christ. Why is that? Because the old person that Paul was, the Saul of Tarsus in his life, he died the death of the cross. Paul was looking at it through God's perspective. In, in the, the Lawbach translation, he said it like this. He said, Christ took me to the cross with him. I died there with him. He took me to the cross with him, and I died there with him. I like that. So when you look at Jesus, you know, the death, burial, and resurrection is really a group picture. A group picture. Do you hear me? Do you guys ever take group pictures? Sometimes here at the church, you know, we do different events and we have photo booths. You know, and we'll get people, I remember at Christmas time, we had a big display out here, and, and people were getting their picture taken. And, and, and uh, have you ever been in a group picture? You know, I remember when I was at camp as a, as a young person, you know, we went to camp one year, and they brought in this, this photographer that had a panoramic camera, which, you know, nowadays, no big deal, you got them on your phone. But it was a big thing to me. And he, they started at one end of this big group, and they went, shh. They went all the way to the other. And then they told all us kids, they said, now the last day of camp, you'll be able to purchase this picture. And we're like, wow, yeah, that's cool. So, you know, you want to remember camp. So, you know, you go to that last day and you look at the picture and, you know, it was in black and white. And, you know, and I see all these, this, this, this big crowd of people. But what do you do when you look at a group picture? I look for me. I'm not looking at Fred or Floyd I'm looking for me. I'm saying, wow, how do I look? Did I blink? Was my hair looking bad? Come on. Woo, how was it? You know, that's what you're doing. You're looking for yourself. And you go, well, yeah, I didn't look too bad. I think I'll buy one. You know? <laughs> didn't look like a goon or something, you know? <laughs> you know? But, but uh, you know, so, so that's what you do in a group picture. Well, you know what? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ was a group picture. Paul said, I was there. I was there. What Jesus was doing, he did it for me. He didn't just do it for me. He did it in my place. Jesus came and put on my jersey and went into the game. And I'm telling you what, he was a pro, man. He defeated the opposing forces. And all that he did when it was all said and done, 
He did it with my jersey on, and it went to my credit. In the eyes of God, as God is watching from heaven saying, come on, come on, Jesus, he, Jesus has got our jersey on, and Jesus is rooting us for us. He's rooting us on. Glory to God, I tell you, some people can cheer. Dana is a cheerer. You know, she was a cheerleader when she was in high school. I have watched her go, man, when she's at, like, uh, her dad runs marathons and stuff, and we've been there, and, man, she can just cut loose and cheer. She'll cheer for people she doesn't even know. And she says to me, she says, she says, Paul, everyone that runs a marathon is a winner. They're all champions. I'm cheering for them. She'll just let it go. I tell you what, God was cheering for you, and he says, wow, all that Jesus did, he did it. On your behalf. It went to your credit. Here's the Noli translation of this. This is probably one of my favorites. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. Now it's not my old self, but Christ himself who's living in me. It's not my old self, but Christ himself who's living in me. Teal Osborne is a, a tremendous evangelist who went to heaven a few years ago. But in his lifetime, I mean, it spanned many decades. And, and, and he was preaching to crowds of 500,000 people plus, you know, way back before the Internet or anything. Now people can do that, you know, without a whole lot because there's, there's, there's all this networking and everything. But Teal Osborne was face-to-face -face preaching with crowds of 500,000 or more. You know, when I was in Bible school, they used to show us videos of his crusades, and it looked like seas of people. It looked like the ocean out there. It was just ripples going through the crowd. And T.L. would make bold declarations of faith. He'd stand up there in, 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 in these countries, and he'd declare, listen, He'd speak out to the witch doctors. Has anybody ever met a witch doctor? I've met a few in my day because I lived in Haiti for a number of years. But Teal Osborne would address the witch doctors and he'd tell them this. He'd say, if you don't see the blind eyes open and the deaf ears open and the lame walking, he said, you can stone me. Now that sounds bold. I'm telling you, when you're in another country and you've got a bunch of witch doctors and I tell you, they rule the place, that's bold. Well, this is what T.L. Osborne said. He says, one of the greatest days of my life. You want to hear what the greatest days of his life was? He said, it was when little I moved out and big Christ moved in. Woohoo! Wow. I tell you what, that's what we're celebrating today. Little I is moving out and big Christ is moving in. All right, we've talked about some different views of the cross, but I want to talk for a few minutes as we close this morning in how we see the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. In verse 15, it says this. Paul was praying here. And, you know, this is probably one of my favorite prayers recorded in the Bible. And, and you know... I'm not much for just reciting prayers and stuff like that. I mean, it's good to recite the word and everything. But I'm so thankful that we have record of what Paul prayed, you know, here in Ephesians chapter 1. And what he, you know, what do you pray for people? What you pray for people is really your heart for them. It's when you see their life and, you, you know, you, you have a connection with people, you love people, and you go, wow, I am petitioning heaven on their behalf because I want to see this come forth in them. So Paul was praying for this group of people in, 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 the, in Ephesus, the church there, but can I tell you something? 
This thing is bigger than just the church in Ephesus. And what he prayed for them, because they were believers, is true of you and I today. As a matter of fact, Paul could have been praying for us, but I take Paul's prayers all the time, and I just pray them for me. And I'll go through them and say, Lord, I'm just telling you, this is what I want in my life. And you know what? I've prayed these kind of prayers for you. Because I pray, Lord, this is what I want to see at Liberty. I tell you, when we started this church back in 2000, Dane and I, I know this, we'd pray this probably every day. We'd say, Lord, we want people to have revelation. We want like this revelation to happen with people. We want people to come to church and see who they are in Christ. We want people to see what you did for them through Jesus. Lord, you know, we can give them the word, but we depend on the Holy Ghost to just open people's eyes and help them to see truth. I mean, we've prayed that over and over, just bringing it before God. Hallelujah. You know, God is so good. God is so good. Everything that Jesus died for is reality. It's reality. And for our part, what we need to do is see it and walk in it. So here's what he prayed in verse 15 of Ephesians 1. He says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That's what we'd pray all the time, still do for this church. That the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened and that you'd know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to to the working of his mighty power. Stopping right there for a moment, you say, well, what does this have to do with Easter? Well, Paul is just, just prepping it, man. He's, he's about to unload a big one here. He says this, he says, I'm praying that you guys will see this clearly, that the very greatness of the power that was used in raising Jesus from the dead is living in you. Then in verse 20, he, he, he defines that. He says, The same power that was working in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that which is to come. The gospel is for every age. What Jesus did, what God did through Christ in the death, burial, and resurrection, it, it goes on full force through the ages. Sometimes people say, well, you, you just, you know, you don't understand. It's not like it was when you were a kid. I guess that's the kind of stuff I used to say. Now I hear that kind of stuff. Okay, you know, and, well, I mean, goodness, you know, this gospel stuff. I mean, this stuff was all recorded before they even had electricity. Come on. This was written before there was even a printing press. I'm telling you what, the power of the gospel, it transcends every age. And it is real and vibrant. It is as real and vibrant today as it was back when Paul penned these words, back on the day when Jesus rose from the dead. It says this, that he raised him up far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, every name that's named, not only this age, but that which is to come. It says he put all things under his feet 
and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. So all the powers of darkness, because of the triumphal act that happened in Jesus dying, being buried, and rising up from the dead, it says that act of power, man, it put all darkness under his feet. And I want to tell you this, if you're in the body of Christ, all of the power of the devil is under your feet. It's under your feet. If you're in the body of Christ, the last time I checked, which was this morning, my toes were in my feet. You know, so even if you're a little toe in the body of Christ, Satan is under your feet. Well, how come he's whooping me? How come he's making havoc in my life? Well, what are you looking at? What do you see today? Because what you see is what you get. Look at the finished work of Christ. Look at what he did for you and me. Hallelujah. Where's your eyes fixed today? Read on in Ephesians chapter 2. I love the next verse. It says, and you, and you. Say, and me. So in talking about Jesus rising from the dead, here's, again, the celebration. What are we looking at? Here's what it says. It says, and you did he make alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. So when Jesus rose up from the dead, his resurrection, I tell you, it's yours. You rose up with him. It says, it says uh, let me skip into verse 4. It talks about us walking in sin and the power of the devil and all that in the next couple of verses. But in verse 4 it says, God who is rich in mercy because of his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. And by grace you've been saved. And then verse 6 is, is, just, is just killer. It says, and he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. You know, over the years, I've called that my prayer chair. You know, where do you, pray? Where do you sit when you pray? Well, I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. The more I live, though, the more I see this is the place you live from every day. You live every day from this position of being raised up with Christ, seated with him in heavenly places. Seated with him. Being seated with him in heavenly places is what makes you able to stand in earthly places. Do you hear me? You got heaven behind you. You got heaven behind you. All this, let me read you one more verse, and then I'm going to have Stephen come on up and, and, and close this service. One more verse, Romans 8, 11. You see, Easter is the time we celebrate Jesus. What I'm telling you today is this is the day that God celebrates you. The day that God says, man, I see the freedom, I see the, the redemption, I see the life I've called my people to. And it's all made possible because of what happened at the cross in the death, burial, and resurrection. In Romans 8.11, it says this, Paul again going on the same thought. Paul said, if the, same, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that lives in you. What does that mean? It means that God is living in you in power and might. God wants the best for you. And there's nothing, nothing that can stand in your way.
except you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.